0: Welcome to the Anime Podcast. Uh, This week, uh, we are going to be discussing work, kind of uh, the right to not work, and in general, things like UBI and other things as well. Uh, This week, we have myself, Alex. Hold your applause, hold your applause. Uh, um, We have uh, James.
1: Hello to all the people out in podcast land.
0: That was kind of creepy. Um, We have Candy himself, Dan. Hello, Aquacious as always. Um, <laughs> um, what we're gonna do is we'll probably begin with a very basic kind of explanation of what we think work is maybe now historically. And by work, I mean, obviously employment. What do we think it is? Uh, what is it meant to do? Maybe what was it always, you know, basically that's just a kind of a general throw out. What is work to you? Who wants to go first? I can go first if needs be. <laughs> yeah, I think you should. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, I would say that work uh, employment uh, as commonly understood today is something that uh, kind of came basically out of a mixture of different things. You have the end of feudalism, depending on who you're talking about. Some places like Russia, it's the late 19th century. At Britain, you're more talking about the 1500s, 1600s where you have serfs. Now, serfs had already been somewhat changed, they were already getting uh, wages there, but it really hits home where you have kind of the removal of kind of agricultural workers into the cities, the beginnings of kind of modern mercantile capitalism and then industrial capitalism, and the kind of idea of wage slavery. Now, that's what I would, as a traditional leftist and historian, would see it as. It's basically an attempt to, to remove serfdom, and in some cases, slavery, the arrival of kind of a wage uh, slavery, which ironically enough some slave traders used to complain was worse than actual slavery. Obviously, that's not true, um, and it's basically the purchasing of labor um, in you know uh, in, re- in, re- in return for wages. Uh, the wages themselves reflect tiny profit, uh, probably a tiny amount of the actual overall profit created by that labour. That's what I think it was. It is. A lot of people who are maybe more conservative think, oh, you need to work. It's part of who you are. It's part of your identity. It's fulfilling for you. And if you don't work, it's not just that you're lazy. It's not that you're just a scrounger. It's just not fulfilling your life. Uh, I would take the opposite view. I think it's basically often, it's pretty much a waste of life. And some of the the articles we read for this uh, podcast to get ready for it, I'm going to link them at the bottom of the podcast so everybody who's listening to this, maybe stop, read all of those <laughs> read all of those articles, or at some point read them anyway and come back. But there are some very interesting things there uh, from the great Bertrand Russell. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of basically what I think work is. Uh, these days, we don't need to work eight-hour days or whatever amount of days. I think we're happy enough uh, to uh, work for. So, oh, G- uh, Jim Boy, you, your turn.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's quite a materialist understanding of work, though, which is it's broadly correct but then things like you know looking after your mum who's dying uh, is work as well um, or anyone you know looking after anyone that needs care and it's that's useful and it doesn't generate a profit but it's, it's something that is helpful to society or in the past like you know growing wheat in a farm was you know, the work that everyone in the village did or most people in the village did to, to keep society ticking over. So it's because it's such a nebulous term, I think just putting it into the idea of, um, you know, it's like trading labor for a profit um, kind of limits what it actually
0: is Cool. No, I mean, I agree with you there. We're going to be discussing how work. And again, it's, we have to put these terms in kind of quotation marks. Excuse anyone who's listening to this. That's my dog uh, trying to beg food off me. Um, but yeah, the no, work is she and she's working right now at a different time, a form of work. Um, you know, work in quotation marks, uh, I think is, is what I meant more as in the type of employment uh, and wage slavery, there is work, which is... W- so, for example, today I did work. Um, I'm renovating my boat. Uh, I live in the boat. Obviously, that's a form of work. I didn't get paid for it. Um, I ended up doing it for about eight hours, uh, but I didn't get paid for it. Um, yeah, um, Dan, do you want to give your opinion of what work is or w- to you what it means?
2: Well, I think, I think there's a distinction between work and labour in that you can labor at something that you enjoy doing um, and work to me, it, it's always kind of got that negative connotation of you're doing something you don't really want to be doing. Um, I tend to find the idea of work kind of fills you with dread. Whereas the idea of labor, it's, it's a bit more kind of neutral. If, if that makes sense.
0: No, it does. Um, I think, the the purpose of the the podcast, the reason why I suggested it as a topic, was that I'm actually quite enjoying uh, being unemployed right now, um, and I don't maybe James is as well though he's he's fairly um, you never know what James he might be on doing something on the side. Um, who if if a dull is listening right now, just ignore that last bit. Um, but yeah, I kind of was thinking about this idea of work, and it's something I had thought about when I'd been unemployed a decade ago back in Edinburgh. I was like, do I really need to be working? What is being gained by me being forced or, you know, by economics necessity to have to work in a shitty um, cafe, which I did a decade ago, or being a shitty tour guide or shitty genealogist or whatever in the present? And I was like, am am I really creating any wealth or creating anything really of of substance? Uh, And that kind of led inevitably to Mr. Graeber, um, rest in power, Mr. David Graeber, um, and his... uh, I don't use word, the word "use" the word "seminal" because it's such a wanky term. Uh, article and then book uh, bullshit jobs, and I, you know, pretty much since Bertrand Russell and certainly up into the present day with people like Bob Black and, and Graver, they kind of expose the idea that you know work uh, as it should be now, the amount of time people should be working in quotation marks, laboring, selling their labor, should be ridiculous. You know, it's not shouldn't it be eight hours; it should be maybe two hours. A day um yeah so i mean that's kind of more what i'm i'm interested in discussing is uh or at least picking from my own narcissism uh does anyone want to kind of feed off that
2: i think what what i found interesting about the the graber article was the the idea that people pretty much are doing sort of like 15 hours work a week but they haven't to extend it out to 40 50 hours just to be seen to be doing something and I, I find that it's very similar to, even though I'm I'm in a manufacturing job, I actually make something. It's still very much the same. Where there's probably 20 hours of productive work a week, and I'm there for 38 hours a week, and it just seems so utterly pointless. It's 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 almost like it's designed to just keep you occupied, like like you're a child that can't entertain yourself.
0: That would be he uh, kind of uh, prompting my my next question there, actually. So if your current job is actually very much a bullshit job in the words of mr david Graeber, can you describe any job that you have ever enjoyed was there a job you ever enjoyed dan
2: and uh, why I, no <laughs> I, I can't i cannot honestly imagine doing a job that i would enjoy because the nature of work um i've had this conversation with a few people where you know i'm unhappy in my work and they said well why don't you try and find something more fulfilling but i said i'm unhappy working i'm not unhappy doing a job per se it's i don't like the concept of work being forced to go to a place every day i I despise it to be honest
0: what about you james did you ever have a job you enjoyed yeah
1: i mean i'm pretty much in the same boat as in um there has been jobs that i have enjoyed and um definitely you know when you woke up in the morning or more often mid-afternoon you didn't have to you know go in with a sense of dread um though you know there would always be drawbacks like there is with basically everything um i, I guess like the job that i enjoyed the most was when i was a, a tour guide in edinburgh doing a ghost tour and it was basically you know i just got to like swan about underground Edinburgh scaring the shit out of tourists and telling them a succession of lies and sometimes scaring them so badly that they fainted and on one occasion you know someone shit themselves um it was a job that I was good at and I largely had a large amount of agency in like there was no one looking over my soul you know looking over my shoulder or checking the content that I was you know um saying to to people um as long as you know the reviews were good and people were scared then i was doing you know doing my job properly but you know unfortunately it's not the sort of job that you can do for your whole life because it you know it it's not raking in the money that you could comfortably live in edinburgh as you know as things went forward so a lot of the time people just find themselves in jobs that they they have to do because it's um it's more money and, um, it helps them scrape by
2: uh, Dan. Yeah, I think, I, I think I'm really looking, looking at it, uh, cause I was in a band for five, six years and I'll never consider it to be work, even though there was a lot of work went into it and you know, it was a collective thing. There's, there's five of us and you know, we'd it'd take a lot of work to, to write original material and compose, and then you'd, you'd be taking it out and, you know, you get touring around the country trying to play to rooms with no people in. But even though that was a lot more effort than I expend at my paid job, it was never it was never treated in the same way mentally. It, I, I think that's quite it's quite an important distinction in that you can do work and it's not considered work, and you can do work that you absolutely hate, and y- you know it, it's it's difficult to. To consider work that you enjoy to be work sometimes
1: i mean, yeah, I, mean I guess this podcast is work you know um
2: well,
0: james more importantly you were fucking and star stand-up but you used to spend fucking most of your waking hours writing um and then or then uh, um uh rehearsals and stuff you that was work uh it didn't pay very well or at all but it it, it was work yeah exactly
1: and that's, you know, most people want to be working in some sense. I think, you know, it depends on the person as well. Some people would probably be happy to just idle their, their life away and more power to them if that's what they want to do. But I think most people, the human brain is wired to make you want to do stuff and achieve stuff and tinker along with things. Um, So most people, if given a choice, would be creative in some format and you even see that in um you know the most boring person in the office probably has some sort of creative output um even if it is just like painting warhammer figurines or something like that um even even fascists sing love songs as well you know
0: yeah no, I, and some of them might be just really into like hardcore porn but that's a use of their time um yeah so i mean well, it might talk about, because um, I think the last thing I read was Bertrand Russell's In Praise of Idleness, which is actually, it really fucking holds up, given the fact it was published in 1932. It's stunning. I mean, he's talking about World War Two, and he goes, you know, World War One," sorry, and he was saying that, you know, how is it that we were able to send, you know, a significant percentage of the male population. Uh, abroad, and a significant percentage of the female population had to be, you know, in industry producing weapons, and yet we were still, we had all the food we needed and we had, you know, and even though the U-boats were off the coast, we were fine. And he said, oh, you know, some people will tell you it's because we borrowed tons of money. but That's bullshit. You know, that's not why, what it was, which is that there's they've, for a very long time, there's been enough resources um, in the world, certainly in the industrialized world, <laughs> to feed all the population, to clothe all the people and to give them homes. Um, the type of needless and and kind of repetitive work is something that was really kind of brought in, to be honest, between the nineteenth and eighteenth century. Depending depending on where you're from, of course, um, and it is drudgery. It is mindless drudgery, and it seems from a lot of the things we read, and for a lot of the things we've experienced in our lives, it's somewhat unnecessary. Even economically, it doesn't even make sense economically. It's there maybe somewhat to to control people's behavior. Uh, James?
1: Yeah, it's probably worth just doing a very brief sort of concept of how work, the concept of work came about in the the British Isles and thus America, where I think it's, don't quote me as exactly on this, but it is something along the lines of like, a feudal peasant would have more days off than we would do now. They would certainly have more days off than someone that worked in America. Um, you know, it would be in the feudal contract the amount of feast days and um, uh, saints days and things like that they would have um, it was largely agricultural work which is seasonal so there's huge chunks of time where there isn't a lot of work to do like during the winter um, and then the move into the industrial areas were really when we get the sense of work that we've got now and along with that comes with the, the sort of method this presbyterian idea that is like like, work is good for your soul it stops you from you know that the phrase like um the devil makes idle hands whatever that phrase is what's that phrase again
0: oh i think it's something the devil makes work for idle hands something like that
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, that phrase sort of turns up at that point because it's like the poor can't look after themselves. Um, so they need to be put to work because otherwise they'll end up, you know, raping and pillaging their batters. Um, Not to mention the fact that, you know, at the same time, they're actually taking away the common land that everyone would own there and taking away the safety blankets, the little safety blankets that people had. Um you know, the, which is why you see a huge increase in crime rates and alcoholism, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that is when the you know, like people are working twelve hours a day, Monday to Saturday, effectively, um, with Sundays off because it's the Sabbath. That's where we get that work culture that we think of now. And apart from some tinkering, thanks to unionism and people like the Luddites. It's largely stayed the same.
0: That's actually the thing that was most interesting about researching this: the, the kind of um, the situationist kind of view, but also kind of um, what was his name? Paul Lafargue, I think it was his name, Cuban-born French kind of um, Marxist, He was like the, you know he was I'm the only radical because I'm actually talking about getting rid of work. You know, every other Marxist is saying no, work is a is a noble thing. Even the USSR, work is a noble thing. Uh, whereas you know, it's only a very tiny group of like post-anarchists, uh, situationist Marxists who are saying, no, let's get rid of it. We don't need it. Like, to, or at the very least, we can we can quantify how much work in quotation marks, which is something we don't have much control over. We we need to do, and it's not eight hours a day. Um, James mentioned twelve-hour days, six days a week. It's actually fifteen hours a day for males at the time. Uh, with life expectancies, as you might imagine, not great, we don't have to work that much. We probably didn't have to work that much then, given some the of the stuff I've read, but we really don't need to be working that much now. And and one of the things we kind of we, that should be mentioned is that there was an attempt to kind of slowly bring back the working week into this 1960s and 70s, and then you have this neoliberal kind of assault, which actually starts cutting corners and saying, no, actually... In theory, you shouldn't be working more than 40 hours a week, but we're going to put in all these loopholes that allow you to choose, in quotation marks, otherwise known as your employer, intimidating you into working more. And so people are actually working more now, uh, in some places anyway in the, in the West, than they would have even done in kind of like 100 years ago. It's like, it's, it's, it's insane. And the simple point is that why is it that people, and this is a good question maybe to ask, why do we think that so much of the... I suppose policing of work goes on amongst working class people. The idea of, the, of, I remember when James and I used to go on marches in Edinburgh, people would often call out, get a job, you hippie, or something along those lines. It wasn't that polite. It's much darker than that. But you know what I mean? Why is it is that so much of the policing of people's leisure time comes from working class people? Uh,
2: Dan? I think to some degree, being forced to work in jobs that you don't particularly like Um kind of creates that mindset where well i'm having to do this why the fuck aren't they doing it sort of attitude prevails um it it kind of i I get that impression from certain people at my workplace where you know if even though you get the job done if you're not doing anything when you've done all your work you're a lazy bastard it's kind of kind of just it all seems to stem from that. It, it's almost like a, a resentment of the fact that you don't take it as seriously as them. No, I, I definitely agree. Uh, I mean, that feeds
0: nicely into the kind of the uh, more dis- a bit more of it, maybe a bit more of a discussion of the idea of bullshit jobs that David Graeber talked about in his 2013 article and then the book he wrote, I think uh, maybe two or three years ago, also called "Bullshit, bullshit Jobs." Um, do we think that the majority of, and this is an obvious answer to this, so maybe extrapolate when you answer, do we think that the majority of jobs that exist in the world, the Western world right now, more specifically, need to exist?
1: No.
2: Definitely not.
1: Um, And the, the point that he makes as well, um, which really holds true is like the more useful your job, the less likely you're gonna get paid for it. And the um, <laughs> the more you'll be looked down for doing it as well. Um, and it, it's largely come about through a couple of reasons, some on purpose and, and some just by happenstance, but the way that say, um, building a company, works very often so let's say uh, let's take for example if you're a a company in dublin that is moderating content for facebook and you need to bill facebook for the work that you do Um, and uh, so the way that you do it is like well this person's been here for eight hours so that's eight hours worth of work and then that's what you bill Facebook to do and then you as the company um, pay a tiny amount of that to the person that did the work and you take the rest of it. Um, And so then you end up with these situations where let's say it's, you know, 3 PM on a Wednesday and the soccer's on. Uh, So most people in the UK are not on Twitter. Um, and there's no con. There's very little content to be um, looking at. That would mean that instead of like being able to go home or to to do what you want, the company would still expect you to sit there and just twiddle your thumbs. Because if you're just twiddling your thumbs sitting there, you're still allowed to bill Facebook for that time. Um, so. In some ways, that's how you end up with bullshit jobs is the way that we look at the working week in the way that we look at in sections of like, it's an hourly wage that you get paid um, is one of the reasons that you get this, this weird quirk.
0: And that's a leftover from the kind of the industrialized workforce of the 19th and early 20th century when you were actually producing things and you could actually say, oh, an hour of work meant this or something. Um, Dan, do you want to, because you, depending on uh, your point of view, have a bullshit job or have or certainly know a lot of people with bullshit jobs. Uh, Maybe your your partner has a bullshit job as well. do you want to talk a bit about what your experience with that is? Like now you've read these articles and something you said you'd already been thinking about as well, it just kind of uh, encapsulated a lot of the ideas you've been thinking about
2: yourself. Well, for me personally, I wouldn't say my job was bullshit because I, it's a manufacturing job. There is a product it, you know, it's a it, make windows. So, you know, they do serve a purpose. So in that regard, I, I don't feel like my job is completely pointless in that sense. But what is pointless is how much time there is where I don't need to be there because there's just not enough to keep you going for the amount of hours they want you there. And it's about ownership of your time. Um, my partner, she works as a project manager, basically, for assisted living. So her job, in to a degree, is a job that's necessary as well. But what, what I found reading the article was... A lot of what was considered to be bullshit jobs are sort of jobs that are ancillary to to consumption of services and you know like insurance but you're not actually working in a job where you're selling somebody insurance you're working in a job where you're a lawyer for a company that selling people insurance so it's a job created to, to serve a market that isn't particularly there uh, and the the one the one part in that article that stuck out to me said where well, you you're at a party and you're talking to someone that works in corporate law, and they never want to talk about their job because they know it's a bullshit job. So that that sort of stuff really resonates in in that sense because you know there's a, there's a lot of work there that doesn't need to exist. It's not even that it doesn't need to be done as much as it is. It it just it's just there for the sake of having jobs for people to do. Yeah,
0: I think a lot of those jobs came about a, a kind of a, in a, I don't know if it's a rush way, maybe some of it was just the way it went, was an attempt to provide people with work. And, and that goes back to maybe a combination of politicians being afraid their constituents didn't have work, the older idea that you have to have work, your, your whole being is tied to the idea of you having work and you're not a proper or a good person if you don't work and so maybe that that the creation of all these bullshit jobs was somewhat to do with that it's certainly to do with neoliberalism the kind of carving out of the old industries in britain and in other places in europe and, and in america and the need to literally just create some jobs there you know to to, to kind of fill out those holes uh dan
2: yeah that's that's definitely the sense that i get from it it's there's no reason for this stuff to to be done other than somebody wants it done to keep somebody else occupied, and it, it's it's weird that the, you know as stated earlier that these are the jobs that tend tend to be at the the higher end of sort of the the pay structure as well. It's almost it's almost like you're rewarding people for doing stuff that doesn't actually fucking contribute anything. Jim Boy, yeah. I think part of
1: it comes down to as well as this really weird thing that like centrists and liberals and people at large seem to do, which is just act that something like work and human society um, is just a naturally occurring thing that exists and there's no rhyme or reason behind it. And so they'll they'll be like, oh, isn't it weird that, um, you know, I'm doing all this work and I don't get you know I make most of the profit and I don't get hardly any of it back without you know like and then they just don't make that that next leap um, so you in lots of ways you know people say things like uh, why don't they just make it work more efficiently then you know like so if you are doing the you know if it, if you can do your work in three hours instead of the eight hours, why can't you just go home um, without realizing that a lot of the time they're not actually interested in like making the world a better place or actually even making themselves more profit because they're much more interested in keeping you nose to the ground and keeping you, you know, in the dark. Your boss would much rather, um, Have you cut and completely useless and feeling miserable and not wanting to go somewhere else rather than feeling um, Invigorated in your work and being able to do it in three or four hours because then they wouldn't be able to Look at you looking miserable and look down on you while you're doing it, you know,
2: I couldn't agree with that more That's that is almost to a T how I feel When I'm at work and I know there is nothing for me to do and the choices are either pretend that I'm working, which I won't fucking do because I'm not paid a fucking actor's wage or, you know, just drag it out all day, which is what I end up having to do, which makes me fucking despise being there even more. It, It makes you really miserable when you know that I've got an hour's work and I have to be there for eight hours and it is the the mentality of the owner of the company is i own you i own you for these eight hours you are fucking here for these eight hours regardless and that is the the total attitude
0: now um it's not my personal experience because as i said unemployed and enjoying it uh, but my partner had a similar kind of job which was a kind of grindstone job just absolutely horrible to to her when she was in the office she you know through a lot of struggle was able to get remote work and what's So amazing about it is the amount of people who actually got that in the offices. There was only three people who actually fought against them and got to work remotely. And the thing that's so amazing about how people respond to all the remote work is this shock uh, at at how easy it is. But it's been fucking easy for twenty years. I mean, the fact is we could have been doing this for probably closer to thirty years. But again, it goes back to that they can't keep you their finger on your your fucking your veins. They can't control you as well from home and they certainly can't kind of police you so I mean work is in that sense like and I'm not, it's not worse than slavery but it's a form of kind of wage slavery I mean that's
2: obvious people have been talking about that for a long time um oh Dan I just think the key word there that you said was control that's what it's about it's about control
0: now uh what we might do is next is is we'll move on to is there an answer to this and obviously there's plenty of answers to this uh, but what we might talk about is the idea of universal basic income, which again has many different forms. Um, again, for those listening, you can just need to look at the bottom of the description of the podcast, and you'll see a lovely article there about UBI. Um, but do we think UBI is a response to this idea of work uh, as kind of a wage slavery? Again, it's not a, a it's a not a super radical idea, and maybe in that regard, it might have more potential. Then uh what I would like to do, which is just uh give my middle finger to um everything that wants me to work. But uh James, what do you think? Is it a is it a safe response or answer to what we're talking about?
1: Um I basically think that UBI is an absolutely non-starter of an idea. Um, especially you just know that the way that it would be introduced in the Western world. There would be nothing to say, let's say, like, let's say you get um the COVID payment as it is now so it's 350 euros per week and that would be what they would say as the minimum that you would need to live on um but they wouldn't change rents at all so you know it's the 350 is like tickety-boo for me at the moment uh but i'm also not doing anything i'm sitting around the house most of the time um but there's also they wouldn't stop landlords from just going oh yeah well put up all the rents by 350 a week as well. I just know that for a fact. So without, with the system that we exist in, like universal basic income is just not going to work because it's just going to be riddled, filled with the same bureaucracy and holes that already exist in the systems that we do have that are meant there to help people.
0: But surely if, if a government could bring in UBI and there's been a kind of pilot programs in Finland, Nambia for some reason, I, didn't, I had no idea that had gone on there and other places as well, I think one in Canada, and I, there was an attempt also in the 70s in America, pilot programs, they usually had fairly interesting results that in practice, um, it made things cheaper because they didn't have to subsidize those same people in other ways. I mean, the, the American state and, and, or the Finnish state ended up subsidizing in them other ways. And with UBI, they were able to basically have a ground floor on kind of, okay, well, you're not going to be, uh, you know, below the breadline, this will put you just above the breadline. Um, surely if your government could get something like that passed, I mean, which would be a huge thing to get it passed, that they would also then say, okay, we're going to cap rents so the landlords can't do that. And, and again, landlords find a way around that. But uh, so James seems to be of the opinion that, it, that you know, if you add, if you give people €1,000 or whatever, €350 euro, uh, a, a week or €400 euro a week, that the landlords will just increase the rent by 400 euro. Uh,
2: what do you think, Dan? Is there anything, anything to UBI? Um, I like it as a concept, but I've got the same reservations as James. Uh, I think any government that would pass universal basic income would probably look at those kind of wider ramifications of it, um, potential exploitations. Uh, it's, it's a solid idea if you look at it in terms of stripping away cost of bureaucracy for the amount of different departments that there are for any kind of benefit system, it it seems really unnecessary when you could give people a single payment and make it universal. So there's there's fuck all in terms of administration that would need to be done compared to what is now for individual different payments. But I I like the idea, but I'd have to, you know, I'd I'd be sceptical that you'd see it as James said, implemented properly in the Western world and, and not just another way of making people rich at the top? Um
1: yeah, it's just the the things are functioning exactly the way that they're designed to be. Like the job center in the UK is working at the at the level that it was designed to do, which is to punish the poor. The UK government, the Irish government, the American government have no interest at all of ever making someone's life better unless it enriches them directly or it's their friends. They will not introduce UBI in the form that it is now at all as a concept because people that read The Sun will like get too upset by it because you know they'll say, oh, what about asylum seekers? It's, you know, they usually say, the current, you know, when they're talking about these things and articles, they're usually like, oh, every citizen gets the pay. It's like, oh yeah, so what is you going to define a citizen then? You're very quickly going, even if you did introduce it, you would then create another dystopia because it basically could be asylum seekers and immigrants and people like that wouldn't get it. And so then you're going to stratify society, even if you do get it so it's never it's just it's just a fucking child's fantasy to think that it's going to be introduced in the nice cozy way that it's um it's talked about by um you know sort of like nice cozy centrists you know
2: i think i'd, I'd agree with that and that it would be a very good tool for other in people even more so than they are now i mean we should probably briefly say if people don't know what the universal basic
0: income is it's broadly speaking depending on what country you're living in and the currencies there of course it's coming up with a figure in america the article i read was a thousand dollars a month in place like ireland there would have to be more given the action <laughs> given you know given the rents in dublin and the rents in ireland let's say a figure of about uh i don't know 1300 1200 euro euro uh a month, uh, and it would just be put into your bank account, uh, there would be no um, requirements for you to sign any forms, it would just be a, a right of citizenship, or a right of residency in, in Ireland, uh, or in the Britain it would be whatever figure, and with that, num- that that money, you you will always get that, no matter what. Um, I don't know if it's going to be taxed or not, maybe it will, maybe it won't, I don't think it was meant to be. Anything you earn on top of that is yours as well, but that will be taxed. And that allows you to pay bills. That allows you to have some type of security. That allows you, according to, you know, centrist, as James called them, to be able to be a bit stricter with employers and say, well, I'm not going to take that job, that's shit. Or I don't have to live in London. I'll move out to, I don't know, somewhere outside of London. Uh, wherever. Oh, Kidderminster. There we go. Uh, <laughs> and I'll live there and I'll find, even if I find a a, a volunteer job, I'll do that. Or maybe I'll become a, 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 a start my band again, you know? That's the idea behind it, but, um, so again, the implication, not implication, what you guys are saying is that no government will actually do that. I saw Dan unclicking his, his microphone. Oh, Hollywood. I just wanted
2: to say nobody would want to move to Kidderminster willingly. <laughs> but there we go, um, but
0: um, but yeah, so I mean, no government, so you're of the opinion that no government will do it, th- certainly no government will do it willingly and yet economically it makes a lot of sense in the type of world we have now where literally just giving people money and they spend it and some of it comes back through tax is kind of really the way the the countries we live in now work anyway so i mean in an ideal not even an ideal world in a semi sensible world it would make sense but you guys point is that we don't live in that world and the type of desire to control people and the idea to just basically hoard wealth so ingrained in the elites now that they won't even do something that would make sense for their pocket.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's that's pretty accurate to how I'd feel about it. It's there's so much that goes on where there's no real economic rationale to it. it. There's no reason for it to be that way other than that a very small specific set of people benefit from it and nobody else
1: um yeah we've talked about say or halfway was it another podcast i'm sure on one of our podcasts we talked about say something like open plan offices and it's been proven time and time again that they don't work and they like they make your um your workers less productive but yeah it's still the most popular and is driven uh because you know if if you're a manager you can look across the floor and go these are my minions rather than going oh yeah these are people that are working hard and um, these are the people that are now consistently elected um, everywhere in the Western world there's no point in thinking that they're going to do anything that is going to help people out it's it's just insane like You wouldn't be be able to point out one time this has happened, like you know, since the NHS.
0: So I suppose the question there is if we if we you know say that UBI is a is a great idea in a reasonable rational world which we don't live in. What um, what is the response we should be going to? Should we should we be refusing to work uh, as in being wage slaves? And if so, how could this be achieved? What is a response, if you really wanted to tackle what's coming, which is really a significant section of the population not being able to even find work, or the bullshit job phenomena going to extraordinary lengths, like bringing back, you know, this, uh, what was his name? Henry VIII had a stool man who used to wipe his arse. Um, he actually was a very prized position, anyway. But anyway, you know, like that type of thing, we get to the point where we're literally just people wiping people's arse as a means to continue wage slavery is that what if you know is that what we're going to the level we're going to get to or is there something we can reasonably do to combat what is at this point just ridiculous and we don't need to be doing a lot of these jobs and in many cases we don't need to be doing any work uh, other
2: than the ones we decide what we decide to do uh dan uh i honestly i don't know it, it doesn't seem like there's any kind of forward planning from any western government at least with regards to that. It, it just seems to be, well, let like the fucking market sort it out. And I'd, 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 unless there's this stuff in the, the longer term that isn't 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 being talked about at the moment, then I just think they're just going to leave people to hang. Yeah,
1: a couple of years ago in New York, there was an art installation, and it was basically um, this, you know, big machine, and if you stood there and you cranked the hang dull, it would dispense money at the rate of a minimum wage job. Um, I would say in the next 20 or 30 years, we'd probably just see that as an actual thing that would happen. Like you wouldn't even have a job. It is just you go to your your crank machine and you crank out your minimum wage. Uh, and maybe, you know, it might produce a little bit of electricity or something like that. But they would rather go through the process of creating um, these minimum wage machines um, then actually just give you the money that you would need to to have uh, to to live on.
2: You realise you've just given them the idea for that now? You fucking asshole, James.
0: Why did you do that? Uh,
1: I can't stop leaving things into existence.
2: <laughs> so,
0: okay, I mean, you know, uh, that crime against humanity is now going to happen, um, but what is a response that's, you know, again, we have to use our imagination for a second, let's use it, uh, as to what people can do in response to this. So in the past, James mentioned the Luddites, they destroyed the machines, the cotton gins that were being built in the early 19th century, taking their jobs away. Other people are crazy and, and burned down 5G masks, thinking that's COVID's responsible. But there is, there is a tradition there, it's not a tradition, the tradition that many people turn to, of a kind of responding to what's going on, the kind of uh, people like Bob Black who who kind of t- talked about a world about work, um, and others who've said that's just uh, you know uh, w- step away from it. Now, in some countries, that's e- obviously easier to do than others. If you live in a country with huge amounts of open space and you're willing to you know buy a plot of land up in the fucking Rockies and just try and make it make a go of it outside of the living off grid, you could do that. Uh, James and I often talk about our mutual love for 1930s hobo movies. Um, the greatest of all being what, James?
1: Um, Emperor of the North.
0: Absolutely, Emperor of the North. So uh, the other response could be hobo life. Put a bundle over your shoulder. Let's get going. Um, you know, hopping on space trains. Um, is it that? Is it, you know? Is that kind of like? I mean, it's it's on a s- extreme spectrum. But can we think of anything that could be done by an individuals? or groups like in, in a reasonable sense of responding to this? If, if, you know, communes, could communes be set up outside of the kind of that type of system and trying at least live a, a small bit of your life outside of this? Is that kind of hippieish, too hippie
1: Well, I mean, I would say that, you know, again, you know, mass strikes would obviously go a long way to to, to helping. Um, it's how do you get people inside with that? But if you if you manage to shut down whole cities or just HUD, you know, lots of people not working, then you really would start to see the the changes that you would want to some extent. Um, I mean, obviously in America we've seen strikes going on, um, well strikes but protests going on continuously for what, like three, four months now to like almost no avail or change. Um there was a little bit at the beginning as you know there's some establishments were a little bit rattled but now you're seeing you know people just being bundled into um, unmarked vehicles and taken away and arrested so um, I'm I'm always sort of um, dubious about the idea of something like communes because it would be something that I'd quite like to do which usually is an indicator that it's a bad idea Uh, if you're outside of the society it is a bit harder to actually to influence it so it might be good for your mental health but it probably wouldn't be good for your ability to organize and most communes have been shown to go completely tits up in one way or another um, over a period of time as well so you would have to look at your, your way around that uh, but say in like Britain living off grid is just basically not possible the state is uh, mm desperate to know where you are at all times and uh have a very good chunk of laws to make sure that you participate in society and if you don't um they'll they'll punish you quite harshly for it
0: dan what's your solution to uh wage slavery
2: Burn it all down (laughs) um I, i pretty much agree with james there i think any kind of any kind of trying to step outside of it there's just in this country at least there is too much external pressure on on any group that's trying to get outside of what you're basically forced to do um i I don't outside of like sort of mass trade union movement and general strikes and kind of trying to just bring things down that in that sense I, i don't see what there is that an individual can do in this country at least like I said in other countries it is easier to get off grid and sort of get away from it and at least you know kind of live your own life but unless you've got the money to do it here and in which case if you've got the money you've either inherited it or you've participated in it enough that you kind of indoctrinated into it and um, it's pretty grim. I suppose on that level, we
0: we can look at the one example, well, the one obvious example of people who try to live without working. And I think it's pretty much the same in Ireland and Britain, though the, the, the type of uh, benefits payments you get over here are larger, but I suppose they have to be because things are more expensive. Um, but it's the same across the board. You can live in, I don't know, parts of Mayo and still get the same benefits if you're unemployed uh, as you would get in Dublin. Um, so. The people who basically spend their entire lives on the dole. Uh, there's not actually statistically a, a huge amount of them, but they do exist. Um, some of them are a horrible phrase Marx used to use was lumpen proletariat. But there are people who who are have emotional psychological problems who end up on that. There's people who are born into it who have again psychological or familial problems. Do we think? But there's also sections of people I've met. <laughs> I mean, I can name a person I knew in Edinburgh who was a great example of just perpetually staying in the dull. He was great at maintaining that. And if you read, uh, oh, or read, or you could read actually, sorry, or watch uh, Train Spotting, and certainly a lot of young Scottish men aged between eighteen and let's say twenty-four, uh, you know, maintain a kind of a, an interesting kind of leisure life on the dull, as small as it is in Britain. What do we think about uh, basically uh, some type of staying on the dole or what people, you know, the type of people who do stay on the dole, um, as a way to avoid work. I mean, it's,
2: it's a living example that that exists now. What do we think of that? I don't really envy it. I have a, well, pretty much my best mate, and he's just had enough of work and, and he hasn't worked now for the best part of two years before that he had periods where he'd work for a year or two and then just take a year or two off. Um, he, he doesn't really do much except play computer games. And, you know, that's his choice. And I, I don't envy it, but then I don't begrudge him it either because it, it's sort of, that's what he wants to do. And if, if it's a sort of a low cost kind of life for him and, you know, the state's willing to pay that, I I, I, I have a very hard time feeling envious for someone that doesn't do that much. Whereas I I kind of... I want to do things, I just don't want to do the things that I'm made to do. If if that makes sense. It's sort of... I, I, I don't like sitting around doing nothing. But the things that I want to do I can't do because I don't have the time because I'm having to do some other fuckers fucking work. James, the life on the doll?
1: I mean, as you well know, the life on the doll in the UK is like a fucking nightmare because you're consistently hounded by... Um, the Dole office uh, every waking hour of your life in one way or another. Um, there's some people that worked in the Dole office in, in the job centre in Leith that if I ever see them in the street, I will 100% assault them right there and then. And I will happily go to jail for that because they'll get everything that is fucking deserved to them if I, you know, stomp their head to tiny little pieces on the curb. Um, the... um the people that are permanently unemployed in the uk most of them live pretty grim lives um where you can't really participate in society because you don't have enough money so you you kind of just left to having to sit around and watch tv all day long because everything costs money to do in the uk now and in ireland you know they at least used to be um you know pubs were cheap enough for you at least have like some sort of community center but they just don't exist anymore and you know if you fucking hang about in the street someone's gonna phone the police and they're gonna turn up and move you along so um i you know like if you can sit in the dome and um you know organize and you're happy with that good on you but i imagine that there's probably you know your mom and your dad um that you're living with will probably want to see you get out of the house as well because not a lot of people can be in the dole and get a council house as well that's a very fucking rare thing and to say that you know rates in Ireland are are better yeah a little bit but they're like they they don't pay uh they're much more reluctant to pay um the um your your rent for you as, you know, we found in Edinburgh they were likely to do. And what's the thing that usually catches people out in the UK? It's fucking council tax, because you still have to pay that with your dull money as well. And, you know, if you live somewhere like a city, like in Manchester or Edinburgh, your council tax is going to be pretty high, and they will just send the bailiffs around to take, you know, the meagre possessions that you do own um, away from you.
0: So, both of you have destroyed my dreams of never working again. Thank you very much for that. Um, I suppose...
1: Well, we're just good friends, you know. We just like to see you miserable.
2: James definitely likes to see me miserable. Dan, I don't know. I've accepted the inevitability of it for myself. I don't mind spreading it around. That's lovely. Um,
0: I suppose we should probably try and be uh, have some type of positive... I mean we have a degree of privilege in the sense that if we, if I did wanted to live, did want to live off grid, and I kind of, I do live off grid, I live on a fucking barge. I'm not meant to be living on a barge. Uh, there's, there's only a certain amount of people who are legally meant to be living on barges in Ireland. So to that extent I am off grid. And I know people who do live off grid in Ireland. I know a lot more who decide to go to fucking Iceland or Norway or fucking Finland where you really can live off grid if you want to. So if you're a European citizen, for example, and you really wanted to do that, there's a way to do it. There's even a way to do it.
1: Are you sure you're just not remembering the plot of Heredity? Uh, not Heredity um, uh,
0: uh,
1: Midsummer. Midsummer, yeah.
0: yeah. I am also remembering that, uh, <laughs> which, which is a great fucking film, uh, having dwelt on it for a while. Uh, yeah, I suppose uh, last words. Um. We, we, you know, these are things we already know about the nature of work and how it's bullshit, and we shouldn't have to do it. Is there anything positive in your own lives, maybe that you can you can give to people um, as a as a kind of um, how to get how to survive through it, a, a way to kind of try and focus on something as a goal? I know for a fact, Dan, that you've talked about having a, a plan to get out of the the doomed
2: pseudo Yugoslavia that is the United Kingdom. So come on, give us some optimism. <laughs> well, uh, it would involve selling the house that I'm currently renovating. Hopefully, it doesn't take too long to renovate compared to the collapse of the UK. Um, but who the fuck knows where things are going at the moment? That's that's a that's a real unknown. But Dan, before you before
0: you uh, finish there. But if it doesn't, and you are able to renovate the house, finish, and sell it, what are your plans to live a less work-heavy life?
2: Well, I, I think me and the missus, we both like the idea of a, a Scandinavian country, somewhere that's a, a bit more relaxed in terms of work, the amount of work that you have to do to keep afloat in a, you know, in a society. But at the moment, there's nothing concrete there other than it's It's something we probably both like to do. I mean she's she's as sick of the whole bloody thing as I am really. so you know that's that's a nice nice foundation at least.
0: And would you try and work there less or would you try and live off grid?
2: Um well, I think we both like the idea of sort of building our own place completely. so part part of doing doing up the house because I'd never done anything like it before. Part of it was trying to learn a lot of skills in, in what you'd need to build your own place um so i think if it was possible to go off grid i would definitely definitely be up for it and i think she would too um but i think the pace of work in, in sort of those countries is a lot less hectic anyway and as i said i'm not opposed to work entirely um i don't mind doing bits of work it's just the the way the emphasis on it in this society is just so, so completely skewed against, just against being a human being, and and it's just it it crushes your soul. Well, again, a lot of optimism there, uh, <laughs> yeah. James. You want
0: to try and give some optimism to <laughs> this chit show? Uh,
1: yeah, um, I think where a lot of people go wrong and you know I do this as much as anyone else um, but you you get the idea that you should be working or you should be doing this and uh, maybe you're doing something that is relaxing like you know reading a book and you'll find yourself being like oh I should be being productive or I should be um, looking for a job or blah 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 and it's like well no fuck it just like try and enjoy that moment right there and right then and just enjoy when you do things like when you go on holiday actually just go on holiday don't take your work with you maybe don't you know if you find the uh, facebook or twitter or something like that stresses you out don't take that with you feel fine to just unplug and stuff like that because um a lot of people just run themselves ragged rather than just take the the step back that's needed to to chill out Yeah, as i said like i do it all the time as well but i don't do it to the point where i get burnt out and also like you know, it will probably be all right on the night at some point as well. So like try and take enjoyment from maybe like like you might get fired, but you might also be able to give your, your boss a coronary heart attack. So maybe, you know, find some clever ways to wind them up in in such a way that um that'll cause that. You'll have to start taking enjoyment from other people's misery because that's all you're going to really be able to do uh, to to immediate people in your vicinity more than you think as well. Obviously, if they're a good person, don't do it. Just do it to your landlord, you know?
2: It's it's always good to try and find novel and creative ways to slack off on the job. I'll, I'll never not enjoy finding new ways to, to fucking stick it to them. And that's always fun
1: i mean also if you if you listen to our last podcast not turning up for work not working properly turning up late um booking false reservations to hotels these are all ways that you bring down the government as well so um being bad at your job is praxis
0: that's me um my, my positivity will be that um i think there's a uh, there's a way it gets on a cheap way well actually it depends how much money you have in your life. But if you can get your hands on some type of vo- a thing that floats, um, it's surprisingly cheap uh, to actually live in it, as long as you don't mind being cold and wet all the time, uh, which is my life on a boat. Um, you can live on boats. There's an alternative. We could be some type of Pirate Republic, which James and I always wanted to do, Pres- presumably led by Ian McShane. I always felt that like Ian McShane would be a good leader for the Pirate Republic. We always dreamed of. So there's an alternative. People form a pirate republic. McShane. He,
1: he did play Blackbeards in like the fourth parts of the Caribbean film, or the fifth one. So there's something there. But I don't think I, a houseboat is very seaworthy. It doesn't. It, it'd be difficult to take down a tanker with uh, <laughs> a little paddle. <laughs> boat <laughs>
0: Polly, Polly, will be, you know, one of the most fiercest of uh, <laughs> of a mascot for our pirate republic. Uh, her on my rope,
1: so her trying to sit in your your soldiers might be a very um, interesting development at the least.
0: Well, Polly is, is kind of been described by various oh. people down here as a canal wolf and also as a, a moving immovable belly. Um, which which is a great combination of names really, it's kind of uh, weird BDM- BDMS names. Uh, so if if any type of government ministry wanted to track us down in the Pirate Republic, all they'd have to do is provide her with food and she'd betray us overnight. So there you go. Fuck you, Polly. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. Um, hopefully you enjoyed our discussion of work and how we're all doomed apparently to be wage slaves, uh, unless you want to join my Pirate Republic with Ian McShane. Uh, taking reservations now. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it. And if you did, please do share it. Um, uh, and if you can subscribe, I think you can subscribe on, subscribe on uh, Spotify. But at the very least, share it with your friends and enemies and with Will, who hasn't been here for about three weeks. You can find them on Twitter. Find everyone on Twitter. Um, uh, so, yeah, say goodbye, Dan. Goodbye. Say goodbye, James.
1: Goodbye, James.
0: <laughs> ha, ha. Uh,
1: bye. Goodbye.
0: Bye. <laughs>